Good afternoon, good people. The doctor is in the house. Welcome back to the next episode of To Your Health with Dr. G. My name is Dr. Mark Gomez, but you can, you can call me Dr. G. And I have an exciting panel today. We're going to be talking about exploring mindfulness. So everybody take a moment and just breathe. Is that weird that I made a sound into the microphone like that? But we're going to be talking about a great episode today. I have a great group of guests. Uh, mindfulness is a great topic, and we're going to deal, deal with it in a little bit. What I want to do real quick, uh, for those of us who are new to our program, each week I host a group of health experts, and we talk about various topics. For those of you that have been listeners, welcome back. And again, uh, I'll introduce the panel in a second. Let me hit you with a quick disclaimer. <clears throat> the content of To Your Health with Dr. G is for informational and entertainment purposes only, and that the content is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, and or treatment. For further details can be found at www.toyourhealthwithdrg.com slash disclaimer. Gotta get that out of the way. <laughs> Excellent. So our exclusive sponsor today is ATI Physical Therapy, www.atipt.com. Again, my name is Dr. Mark Gomez. You can follow me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at To Your Health Dr. G. Visit me on my website at www.drmarkgomez.com. All right, let's get into it, guys. So mindfulness. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit more about this topic. Actually, we're going to spend the whole time talking about this topic, not just a little, but a lot. Uh, really, when I think about this concept, I think about a few things. Number one, be intentional. Number two, be attentive. And number three, remember. So what I want to do is I want to introduce my panel today. I mean, people at home, people that are listening, I want you guys to literally grab a pen and paper. I think I have a pen somewhere on me, but I'm definitely going to take mental notes if I can't take physical notes. But, but what you guys are about to hear today is just some great, um, uh, just individuals that have great understanding of the concept. So um, to my right, uh, we have Katie O'Donnell. I've known Katie for a couple of years now. And, known her from our medical practice, as a matter of fact, and she's just been an amazing uh, asset, uh, really just an inspirational person. And, and Katie uh, O'Donnell is a, uh, she's a, health, a licensed clinical social worker. She's also a, a certified um, uh, addiction uh, specialist. Uh, so what I want to do is, Katie, first of all, welcome to the show. And uh, Katie, why don't you just tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do, and um, maybe you can even just tell us a little bit about your initial in take on mindfulness. Sure, thanks for having me, Mark. I'm really excited to be here. Um, I, like Mark said, I'm a licensed clinical social worker and a certified alcohol and drug counselor. And I've been in the field for a little over six years and working with Mark now for the last two years almost, which I can't believe. We're older. <laughs> I know, it goes by quick. Um, so I really became attracted to mindfulness a couple of years ago within my practice because I found it was very accessible to people from all walks of life. And I find that even with people from varying traumas, various life experiences, mindfulness is a great foundation skill and way to kind of start any kind of process in terms of healing, whether it's emotional, physical, or mental. So definitely attractive to me. Excellent. We're going to keep asking some questions later. Uh, my next guest, uh, this gentleman uh, is legendary. Uh, that's the best way I can describe it. Uh, we have Todd Fink here. He's sitting next to 
to Katie uh, and, uh, and Todd. Uh, I met Todd at a physician uh, burnout uh, seminar a few years ago hosted by Edward Hospital and uh, Todd just wowed the docs and uh, gave us some really, really good tools to, uh, to work with and I still, he challenged us that day to write, I mean, he literally challenged us to write things down and I have a secret envelope in my desk at, at work that if I ever get into that moment, which I haven't gotten to that moment of unbelievable, undeniable stress and anxiety, but I have my secret safety stash of an envelope. But Todd, welcome. And Todd uh, is a uh, is a counselor. He's an artist. He's a speaker. Um, www.michaeltoddfink.com. He's also uh, you can find him also at the uh, www.thegivingtreeband.com. So Todd, welcome to the show, and just give us a brief overview overview about yourself and how do you think about the mindfulness? Well, thank you. Thank you very much for having me, Dr. G. Um, well. I was a musician since about five years old, and when you play music, you become very present. When, when I was practicing guitar and other instruments growing up, I can remember my mom interrupting me, saying, hey, you haven't gone to the bathroom or eaten anything in, in, uh, in a number of hours. So I, I, I realized that I was learning how to be really present with something, and, um, and I found a lot of joy in that. As a clinician at Linden Oaks, I've been practicing uh, as a as a counselor and a behavioral health associate for the past 17 years. So I learned a lot more about mindfulness from um, some of the therapy models that Katie and I use in, in, uh, in practice with patients. I also spent some time, some extended time in India, learning more about meditation. I've been practicing meditation daily for probably about 15 years, and I tried to, tried to cultivate uh, a daily practice. And, um, and now I'm speaking to a lot of different groups, like you said, uh, with the physicians, but I've been going to other organizations to carry this message to a lot more environments, cultures, even uh, cities, to uh, police officers and first responders, trying to share this, uh, this insight and the benefits of healthy, mindful living. Thank you, Todd. And, and Todd's really getting at anybody can do this. Um, anybody can do mindfulness. And again, anybody can live in the present moment at that exact moment and hopefully at the same time forgetting about some of the thought traffic that goes on in our minds. The past is the past. It can't be changed. The future hasn't come yet. We don't know what's going to happen. But living in that moment moment, and hopefully in an enjoyable and harmonious way. My next guest is Shauna O'Malley and I know Shauna for a, uh, at least like three, four, five years. Uh, but Shauna is a, is, a, is, a, is a friend. She's, uh, she's just fierce. Uh, she is a, uh, she's a doctor of physical therapy with ATI, www.atipt.com. Uh, Shauna's also a yoga instructor, a little known fact. So uh, Shauna, welcome to the show, and, and please tell us a little bit about yourself and really some of your initial thought on mindfulness. Yeah, thanks so much for having me today. Um, I initially started becoming aware of mindfulness when I first started practicing yoga about five years or so ago. And the physical benefits of yoga were what brought me to it initially, but what kept me coming back were the mindfulness and kind of the gaining, gaining space in other areas of my life. Um, so I've been excited to share that with both my patients at work and also my yogis that come see me at Core Power. Very nice. Thank you, Shauna. And my last guest today, uh, just uh, just an amazing gentleman, uh, Dr. Frank Vaught, and uh, 
Dr. Frake and I, uh, we got to know each other a couple of years ago. Actually, I met him, at, I don't know if he remembers the story, but I met him actually at a uh, church uh, in Bolingbrook doing it on, on a Saturday morning doing a health fair. And uh, I was there as a physician, and, and Dr. Bott was there as a chiropractor, and uh, we connected a little bit, and the relationship has grown from there. So uh, uh, Dr. Frank Vaught, uh, representing, <coughs> he's a founding partner of Evoke Chiropractic, www.evokechiropractic.com. So uh, Dr. Vaught, welcome to the show, and please tell us a little bit about yourself and how you, uh, your initial thoughts on mindfulness. You know, um, just being a chiropractic physician, uh, one of the things that I uh, initially did, um, uh, I loved health. I, I always wanted to uh, serve in, uh, in the health field capacity since my mother being diagnosed with multiple sclerosis when I was five years old. So I said, I, I want to do something to uh, change that. And, um, and the doctors that, uh, that always what she was seeing tend to, uh, she was getting no results. Um, and one of the things I did as far as when I learned about chiropractic and the nervous system, since multiple sclerosis was directly related to the nervous system, it intrigued me. But um, as I grew in my chiropractic practice, uh, uh, I founded four practices here in the Chicagoland area. And um, and now I'm, I coach doctors and I, and I also do uh, lectures on decreasing stress. And one of the uh, portions of the, the lecture that I do is uh, focus mind. And I realized that healing has so much to do with the aspect of starting right between the ears um, and how you think and, um, and how you live and what you have in your environment. And uh, even in my craft, being a chiropractor, being very specific and uh, removing interference, you, you have to be focused and intentional with doing it. So um, I think um, it's extremely powerful. Excellent. And again, going back, you're hearing a lot of these words, intention, you know, attentiveness, remembering, and really this group of experts here can, are really going to dive a little bit deeper into this. So I've got some questions for them. Uh, and, and literally, I'm a student in the, in the game of mindfulness. I, I didn't really understand what it was until actually I went to uh, uh, the physician burnout uh, lecture a few years ago. I met Todd, and then ever since I connected with Katie a few years ago, uh, she's really, really opened up my eyes on how I can incorporate simple behaviors or simple thoughts on a day-to-day -day basis. Uh, uh, a few weeks ago, I talked about how certain things that we can do that are free. For example, you know, the best time that you have to yourself before you're on somebody else's time and somebody else's dollar is that first moment in the morning. And so I challenged myself to wake up a little bit more, a few minutes prior to the rest of the house, I guess, and really just kind of focus on myself and be more attentive. For example, when you're in the shower, smell your fragrance. It might actually take you and transport you back to a new place, and that can really help set the tone for your day. So I'm going to pick on Todd first. Okay. Uh, so <laughs> today's show is just so super relaxed. I mean, I mean, I'm literally a student in the game from some of these experts, and I really want to get their thoughts on things and really how they can, how people can apply these concepts uh, over in their day-to-day -day lives. So Todd, my first question is for you. Um, how does mindfulness help people? manage their emotions and thoughts? It's a great question. Thank you. So part of the practice of mindfulness is to pay attention non-judgmentally in the present moment and that attention can be directed towards our inner experience. And if we use our awareness in an open and curious and flexible way, we can turn towards our experience even if, um, even if it's unpleasant or painful. 
See, the opposite of mindfulness would be experiential avoidance. And we might want to avoid our experience because it's unpleasant, and that leads us into behaviors and habits that can become unhealthy. So mindfulness would be about turning towards ourself. And when we're present with ourselves and observing our thoughts, we can start to see where emotion comes. What is emotion? You know, emotion is more like a school of fish. It's not just one thing. It's a collection. And when those symptoms collect, it looks kind of scary. And we, we just talk about anxiety and stress as this, this kind of monster. But when we start to pay attention, we say, well, there's something in my chest. There's something in my thoughts. There's something changing with my breath, and I can take one of those, and I can be present with that, and I can, I can respond to it, and and it takes a little practice, but anybody can improve their attention in this way. It's really like any other kind of exercise. People tell me sometimes, you know, I try to pay attention, but then I get distracted, so I don't think I'm any good at mindfulness. <laughs> but to me, that would be like uh, you know a person saying. I tried to exercise, but I got tired. <laughs> so I don't know if I'm cut out for that. It's, that's what's supposed to happen. That is the actual practice. You pay attention, you get distracted, and you gently bring your awareness back, and then you come back stronger. So like we go to the gym, we lift a weight, it becomes too heavy, we set it down, we come back, and lo and behold, we can pick that up better than we could before. And that's what the training is. But when we pay attention to our thoughts, our emotions, we can learn to respond with compassion, with non-judgment, and redirect ourselves in a way that can promote our well-being. Excellent. Thanks, Doc. Katie, I want to ask you the next question. You know, you're a busy professional. You're balancing family. You're balancing career. Um, what's your secret sauce? I'll rephrase the question. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, but how do you incorporate mindfulness into a busy practice? I mean, you're, you're busy, so how do you do it? Absolutely, and that's a great question. So the thing about mindfulness that I really appreciate is how you don't need to have two hours a day. You don't need to make sure you're carving out this big chunk of time. You can be mindful pretty much in any given moment. So even when I'm driving in my car on the way to work, just taking a moment to not have the radio on, which I know is something you had talked about, mm -hmm. to really be intentional about how do I feel with my hands on the steering wheel? How do I feel in terms of this anticipation maybe that I'm having about going into work in the morning? What do I notice along my route that I take every day that maybe I didn't see before because I was distracted by having these thoughts that chronically come in or having the radio station that's always playing? I found it's been very different since giving birth to my daughter also a couple months ago that finding those moments where I can be really mindful, like when I'm nursing, when I'm putting her to sleep, having those moments where I just focus it on my breath, I focus on what does my body feel like, what does it feel like to have these thoughts come in. What I've really noticed too from working with my patients is that mindfulness is almost considered being devoid of thought, not having those emotions there, where it's really quite the opposite. What you're doing, kind of like Todd was talking about, is having that intention and being aware of when those thoughts are coming in. So instead of trying to ignore them and push them away or to try and, and change the thoughts right away, you're just sitting there and kind of letting them flow through you, almost like watching cars go by on the highway. You're not going to go and run after every car, but you're just going to kind of watch it go by and be very observant and non-judgmental, kind of like a curious scientist. So I find that when I can try and do that and come back to that, even if it's in between sessions with my breath, whether it's um, when I'm taking a moment to go and, and get my lunch and make sure I'm doing things very intentionally and one mindfully, one thing at a time. 
You know, it's interesting, as your, uh, Katie was referring to a story that I told her uh, last week actually in the office where I decided to unplug myself for the first time in a long time while I'm driving my car to, to the office and decided to not listen to the radio, nothing, just observe and, and pay attention to my surroundings. And all of a sudden I tell Katie, I go, I think I heard my brakes start squealing, so uh, I got to go to the car dealership and get that dealt with. And I probably wouldn't have heard that unless I didn't have my mindful moment. But uh, uh, another thing that you're kind of that you're, that you're saying is, is you can really there's things that you're doing in your life already that actually are mindful, but we don't know about it. And and some people it seems like they have they can do mindfulness very naturally. Others, yeah, they may have to be coached a little bit, but. Think about when you last cooked something and you smelled a fragrance and it transported you back or going back to the car thing. When was the last time you sung at the top of your lungs to your favorite song you put on repeat? And that really helps set the tone for your day. And you're actually being mindful in that moment. So next question I want to ask for Shauna, <clears throat> how do you practice mindfulness on a daily basis? Yeah, so I... I'm certainly not perfect at making it a daily practice, um, but I, I try. Um, but one thing for me is that I feel like exercise for me becomes a moving meditation, and it becomes part of my day where I forget about everything else that's going on and kind of get lost in the movement. And so for me, incorporating exercise into my day has really helped to keep my mindfulness um, opportunities as well because I kind of shut out of everything else that's going on, keep leave my phone and turn it into a moving meditation where I start listening to like, oh gosh, that doesn't feel great in my knee or what's going on with my back, maybe I need to back off a little bit. Um, and then that transfers into other areas of my life as well. Excellent. I like that, uh, again, that analogy where you're, where you're and even Todd uh, referenced it, where it's almost like when you're at the gym, like, hey, something doesn't feel right, you back off and then you you're mindful in that moment. Uh, I want to throw a quote out there. This is from an author by the name of Lori J. Cameron. This is an excerpt from uh, her book, The Mindful Day, Practical Ways to Find Focus, Calm, and Joy from Morning to Evening. And a couple of mindfulness uh, activities that she, that she mentions, uh, including uh, journaling, becoming unplugged, uh, mindfulness in the shower, pay attention to the smell and the sound of water, Mindfulness during your daily commute, you know, using apps or being unplugged, and even greeting colleagues at work, which sometimes we seem to forget to do, and that can help set the tone for their day. So maybe, uh, Dr. Bach, can you talk about how you can transfer mindfulness to others? I like that example of greeting people at work, um, something that we probably don't do as much as we often, but how does that set the tone for other people? Um, environment. I think environment is uh, everything. Uh, one of the things that I, uh, I talk about, um, especially with my team at my office, uh, a part of the healing process is, um, is creating a space of joy. So we call our office the Disney World of Offices. You can't go to Disney World and not smile. So when you come in my office, you're greeted with a hug. Uh, the music, the scent, uh, and when a patient lays on a table for the adjustment, um, it's a, a mental thing for me as far as being clear when I'm giving the adjustment. So I make sure that I'm with that person at that time uh, with their condition, their issues, their troubles when I make the adjustment. And the difference is tremendous. When I'm stressed, when I'm not present, when I'm not there, I'm tired or I'm fatigued. And 
And one of the things that I do before I go into the office, uh, before I talk with my team, is I take 10 minutes um, and sit in silence. Um, and whatever is in my head, I, I try to empty it. I have a box outside, and it's a sign on the door with an arrow pointing to it. It's an imaginary box, and it's where you drop your junk at before you come into the office. Excellent. And you drop your junk off there, and you pick it up if you want to before you leave. <laughs> and when you come in here, you are happy. So your environment can definitely change that wavelength uh, as far as... Uh, your experiences with people, your attitude, and um, and your health, your state of health. I think I'm just gonna. I think I decided to just incorporate a, a box in my office, and maybe we should give more hugs to our patients. Uh, we do do a high fives every now and then, uh, so that's always that's always pretty good. Uh, <laughs> uh, Todd, I want to ask you this: um, a lot of people, are, there's this concept now of mindfulness uh, being taught certainly at the corporate level. Um, what, what is there a role for mindfulness and in leadership development? Have you seen anything in, in, in your experience? Certainly. Well, mindfulness leads to what, what we talk about in uh, leadership seminars is emotional intelligence. And if you look at the, the key qualities of effective and successful leadership, I would say probably four out of the top six are related to emotion. The ability to uh, well, it literally means the ability to monitor your internal states better and also to be able to have a sense of what other people's preferences, values, concerns are and be able to respond to your environment, like Dr. Blood's talking about, to be able to respond to the environment in an appropriate manner. So when I'm sharing, um, sharing some of these insights with like Fortune 500 companies, that's sort of how it gets pitched to them, that this is going to be helpful with leadership and, uh, and effective interpersonal relationships. The better we are at knowing how we're feeling, what our values are, and the intention that you, that you mentioned, the more effective we're going to be. And I, I take time with most of uh, the clients that I work with to help them elicit their values. And a very interesting thing that I've experienced over the past 15, 20 years of inviting people to prioritize their core values. I've never found a list of five to ten top values that were the same, not even in a family. And when, when people realize how different we are, how special everybody is, and how beautiful that variety is, I think it helps us understand how different we are and how we can cooperate better. You know, like biodiversity in nature is so essential. For example, birch trees feed fir trees in the summer, and in the winter when the fir are strong, they feed the birch. And when you create monocultures in forestry, you find that it's really hard for the forest to be resilient, but natu there's natural resilience when there's diversity. So if we can get better at understanding each other and taking time to mindfully connect with coworkers or employees, or in the case of um, executives with their with their teams and their organizations, then uh, then people can certainly be more effective leaders. Excellent. How do you go? Let me ask this question to Katie. How do you go from you know, there are individuals that are that are extremely busy. You know, they're trying to balance productivity, but also still trying to balance some self awareness and self care. You know, certainly, you've worked with clients that have really uh, embraced that and find that balance, but certainly others 
where it's very hard to find that kind of balance. How do you how do you advise your patients to your clients to to really seek out that balance between productivity and also self care? Absolutely. So my favorite analogy to use is an airplane analogy. So when we're in an airplane and there's a pressure change in the cabin and those oxygen masks come down, what do they kind of tell you to do? You got to put your mask on first. Um, our natural instinct, I think, especially for a lot of people, is to try and put the mask on others first, especially I see this in um, a lot of the women that I work with, a lot of people who are in nurturing professions, so teachers, nurses, things like that, doctors. Um, we tend to go in these professions because we're caring for others. But what happens is when we don't put our oxygen mask on first, um, we might pass out, and the people we're trying to help pass out, then no one gets oxygen. So it's not effective in any way if we're able to put our mask on first. So practice self-care for us first, then we're able to more effectively help within our family roles, within our jobs, and really kind of be that best version of a professional, um, a parent, a child, a sibling, a friend, what have you. Um, so really what I encourage patients to do is figure out what is your self-care and how do you become mindful of what that self-care is. And the thing about self-care is it doesn't have to be going to the massage parlor, getting like spa treatments. Um, it can be something as simple as waking up every morning and doing a minute of gratitude practice and just making sure intentionally you're starting your day that way or making sure three times a week you're going to yoga and that those are the ways that you're kind of recharging your own battery so that you can be really effective both at work and in other areas of your life. And so it's kind of coaching with my patients, what is that for you? It's really different for everyone. For some people it's through exercise, through some it's making that social connection, through some it's having, you know, a half an hour to watch Netflix. And it's all important and you can have the same kind of skills gained from them. So that's really what I work on. Uh, Shauna, it's, it's interesting. I think about, uh, and our experts so far, you guys are saying that it doesn't take a lot of time. It doesn't take. I mean, it doesn't take hours upon hours and hours to do mindfulness. Just as, as uh, Katie just mentioned, just a few moments can really help out. What's your thought? What's your take on that? Yeah, I think um, a small amount of mindfulness and practicing that can yield really large results for people and kind of snowball into something bigger. So um, I always encourage like my patients, especially chronic pain patients, um, to start with just really small manageable steps to, of mindfulness, kind of like what Katie was saying, set aside one minute and think about like one thing that's going really well for you today and focus on that for a little bit. and then you find people starting to find more than one thing that's going well for them and things kind of snowball. So I think the takeaway there is that small changes can yield really big results for people. Yes, and thank you. What I want to do right now is I want to just take a brief moment to thank our sponsor, ATI Physical Therapy, www.atipt.com. Are you having difficulty completing your workout because of that nagging shoulder, back, or knee pain? At ATI Physical Therapy, we encourage you to try physical therapy. We accept all major insurance plans and we'll also schedule your first appointment in 24 to 48 hours so you're on your way to feeling better faster. Visit ATIPT.com to choose from more than 180 locations throughout Chicago. When you want to get back to your best, look no further than ATI Physical Therapy. We're here for you. And again, we, well, I want to thank uh, ATF Physical Therapy for being our exclusive sponsor today. Uh, what I want to do now is um, I want to change the tone a little bit. We've been also we've been all sharing 
examples of how we incorporate mindfulness in our daily ways. But actually what I want to do for our, for our viewers uh, and for those listening, I actually want to have Todd leave us in a few moments of a mindfulness exercise. Again, we're talking about practical uh, application of mindfulness. So Todd, I'm putting you on the spot. Uh, Todd did this, he's done this before because he's, he did it to us doctors a couple years ago, so I know he's got it in him. Uh, but, but leading us in a mindfulness exercise that we will do uh, for our viewers. Okay, sure. Well, a couple things to, to be aware of when you're trying to do some kind of uh, formal practice. Like all the ideas that were given today are wonderful ways to informally incorporate, but once in a while it can be helpful to sit into a, in a quiet space, in a, in a peaceful space, and you want to keep your spine straight so that you can breathe a little more easily. And if you are comfortable enough, you can close your eyes. And we'll start to take some deep breaths in and out through our nose. So if you could imagine when somebody's in deep sleep, ordinarily that's the only time that a person can get really peaceful. And it's not because all the problems got solved in their life, it's because the mind is calm. But the breath is also very deep, and it finds a rhythm. So try to find your own comfortable rhythm that allows you to breathe in deeply, breathe out deeply. And while you're breathing that way, you do not have to worry about thoughts. There may be lots of thoughts, a lot of things on your mind, but try to gently redirect your awareness to your breathing. As if your breathing was like a soft cushion or a mattress. It's the place where you can rest your mind on your breath. Please notice the air flowing in and out. Notice your body expand and contract however it naturally does. Next, please notice the sound of your breath. As you breathe in, you may notice that it sounds like a wave. In ancient languages of mindfulness, the word for breath means wave. So breathing in, incoming wave, breathing out, watching the wave go back out to the ocean. Notice how peaceful and calming that is. Lastly, Notice that it's enjoyable to breathe in oxygen, to start a new life. It's enjoyable to exhale and release carbon dioxide. And then you can slowly resume your normal breathing and when you feel ready, you may open your eyes and come back to the room and whenever you take a moment to pause like this, it's, it's helpful and important to slowly transition back into activity. We're so used to doing something all the time, but we're not human doings, we're human beings. So it's important to take a moment to just be. And it doesn't require a lot of time, like we've talked about. But if we can take some time, it can really recharge the battery. Even the lightest thing becomes heavy if I don't make time to set it down once in a while. So that's something hopefully people can find helpful anywhere, anytime, and it's free. Thank you. I feel, I feel, I feel great. Uh, I hope everybody else does. That was excellent. And um, wow, 
<laughs> oh, great. All right, guys. I probably should have done that at the end. Uh, <laughs> but we're going to keep our focus going on right now. We still got a little bit longer to go. But, uh, but hopefully everybody enjoyed that. And, and, and again, uh, Todd is legendary. Uh, so uh, we really appreciate him leading us through a very doable activity that anybody can do. Um, I want to ask Dr. Vaught a, a question, and then I want to get into a section of facts versus myth. Um, Dr. Vaught, uh, there's a lot of wearable tech that we have now. Think, things like your Fitbits and your Apple Watches. A lot of the tech industry is actually trying to get into the mindfulness game as well, too, and it's trying to hopefully remind yourself to do certain things. Uh, the reality is that a lot of us do wear devices, and when that uh, buzz goes off that says breathe, a lot of us tend to just say, ah, annoy it. Uh, I don't have time for that because I'm in the middle of seeing patients or in the middle of uh, crunchy numbers or anything like that. Uh, do you use any of that kind of stuff in your, in your practice? Do you use it in your daily life? Or what would you advise people to do? Would you advise them to say, hey, if you can't take that moment when your watch goes off, do it? You know, that's a, a great question. I, and, um, and I have ran into that. I, um, I do this thing called a Biggest Loser Challenge at the office at the beginning of every year. And um, one of the apps uh, that is used is called Waterlog. And um, to remind them to drink their water, uh, it's just that for some reason, uh, dog life gets in the way. Um, so one of the things that I uh, advise or I coach my patients on is um, having rituals. Um, rituals beats apps any day. Um, because rituals don't change, but life always changes. Um, and with rituals in the morning or midday or at nighttime, something that never deviates. I oftentimes uh, say morning time uh, because the, you can always get up earlier uh, to create more time for yourself. Uh, but it, it, with rituals, they don't change. They're a specific schedule of things that you do to set your course or your day to have success. And, um, and they guide and lead you and direct you in a path where uh, you have very little error. So uh, the apps are phenomenal uh, for uh, industry. Um, they work really great for some people, but I think rituals work phenomenal for everybody. Excellent, thank you very much. And I think that really helps create a distinction. Uh, so thank you very much for your input on that and your insight. Uh, I want to uh, transition to myths versus facts, and I kind of came with this when, when I knew I was getting this panel together and, and knew about the credentials they bring, and doing some of my own research and reading to prepare for today's talk, I wrote down a couple of things that have kind of come up a lot when you think about mindfulness, myths versus facts. So, uh, my panel has not seen these questions, but I'm going to ask a few questions <laughs> to them. Uh, but, but, but I want them to, this is about having honest dialogue, and when we talked about before we Got on there, we were talking about how uh, sometimes people think that healthcare practitioners are uh, unreachable or they're, they, they can't relate to things that, that regular individuals go through. And I always talk about that, yes, we can. Uh, we talk about, well, you know, for me, and I mentioned this before, I'm a, I guess I'm a busy, busy professional physician, but I've got a wife and kids, and I have to try to figure out how to balance it out. And my trick is to have a ritual, as Dr. Vaught said where I wake up early in the morning because that's the only time I have to myself. So, here we go. I'm going to ask this one to Katie. All right, here we go. Uh, myth or fact, mindfulness is a religion. Oh, myth. Yes. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Can you explain a little bit more about 
why would people, why, where, where does that come from? I, I agree, it's a myth, but why, why, why are people associating mindfulness with religion? I think because religion is a man-made structure. So when we're looking at people kind of touting something, it's really difficult to separate the person speaking about it from the practice. So what I kind of compare that to is that mindfulness is something that can be bigger than ourselves, sort of like a spirituality. It's all about that connection. Uh, very often with people I work with, their illnesses, their diagnoses are very isolating. It can feel very much like it's just me and this, no one will understand. Mindfulness is something that everyone can access, everyone can kind of connect with, so it brings that universality. Um, at least that's how I kind of connect with it. Excellent. Thank you very much. All right, this next question is for Todd. You have, uh, fact or myth or fact? I shall always preface it like that, myth or fact? Uh, by the way, they're all myths. Uh, as I tell everybody, my myth or fact will still do it anyways. Thank you for the tip. I should have tipped off my, uh, my panel, but I did anyways. All right, here we go. Myth or fact, we'll just pretend, uh, you have to be a Buddhist to practice mindfulness. Well... The reason uh, that's a myth, <laughs> I read a, an interesting uh, quote recently that uh, mindfulness is a lot like red wine. It's played a starring role in a lot of religious traditions, but it's also enjoyed by a lot of people separately <laughs> on its own as well. Um, so I think it's nice to... Uh, maybe to learn uh, what we can about different wisdom traditions you know from all different parts of the world because they give us different ways of approaching the same concept every every tradition as well as every culture has different um, approaches and interpretations of mindfulness so i think to have some some curiosity about those traditions can be healthy it certainly doesn't require anybody to change their, uh, their spiritual beliefs. Uh, a lot of what we practice in, um, in healthcare comes from Buddhist psychology. And a, a simple Buddhist philosophy is it's not what happens to you, it's what you tell yourself about what happens to you that determines your experience. So I think we can find lots of wisdom from ancient traditions. Although we don't have to change our beliefs, we can continue our own uh, spirituality. Or, or no spirituality, and I think that's the beauty of mindfulness. In a lot of ways, it's like exercise or hygiene. It's not the monopoly of any culture, but different cultures uh, approach it differently, and, and, and there's value in that. Excellent. Thanks, Todd. Shauna, you're up next. Myth versus fact, even though we, even though we know the answer already. Uh, myth or fact, you have to meditate to be mindful. All right. Well, I think that we've already debunked that one <laughs> earlier yeah. today. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, um, kind of as we were saying earlier, that you can make small little changes throughout the day, kind of similar to what Todd just led us through. You don't have to set aside a huge chunk of time or um, think of it as a full-on meditation. You can do um, just small little chunks and build up from there. Excellent. And then the last question I have, myth versus fact, and again, we all know the answer. Uh, mindfulness, this is for Dr. Bolt, mindfulness can solve all of your mental health issues. <laughs> well, I'm going to go with the rest of the panel. <laughs> Good answer. <laughs> well, um, no, mindfulness uh, will not solve all of um, 
the, the, the mental issues of, like I said, even with mental health, it's multifocal. Uh, mindfulness can be an intricate part uh, to uh, resolving a lot of the damage, but it's other issues um, that are other things that can help certain issues. And, and oftentimes, depending on where the uh, mental uh, health issue came from, whether it been a, a abuse or whether it been a, an addiction or, or whatever, it's different channels or avenues that can help uh, support the healing. Excellent. Thank you. Guys, we have about five minutes left, so what I want to do is I kind of want to set it up, uh, and this has been just an enjoyable show. I'm already in my enjoyable and harmonious way right now, as you guys can tell. Uh, but this, is, this has just been a powerful and insightful uh, show that creates opportunity for everyone that's listening and watching. Uh, what I want to do is, uh, and those of us, those of you out there that have seen a few shows so far, I always like to kind of call this the assessment and plan uh, section. You know, today we're talking about our kind of our chief complaint is, is is exploring mindfulness. What is mindfulness? How do we how do we apply that? But but the assessment and plan that we use in medicine a lot. What are kind of our take home points? So I'm actually going to kind of go in uh, in reverse order a little bit. Uh, Dr. Bond, I want to start with you. If there's something that if you just say, I want people to take away X, Y, and Z regarding exploring mindfulness. What would you say? What's important to you to convey to our listeners today? Um, I know for a fact, uh, take away today that if you really want to be a value to the people around you and you want to be a magnet to your dreams, to your vision, to your success, spend time with yourself in preparation for receiving it. It's really hard to receive something when you're full, but when you're mindful, you can empty and hollow yourself out to be the magnet to serve others, to support others, and to create the, uh, the, the future that you want um, by being attractive. Thank you. Shauna, what are your take-home points uh, for our listeners today? Yeah, I think for me, the biggest take-home message is that you can personalize mindfulness and figure out what works for you and kind of adapt at your own pace and find what works for you and what you can carve into your day and what you enjoy doing. It shouldn't be something that becomes a chore or something that you dread doing um, because then you're doing it wrong. So find a way that works well for you and can fit kind of seamlessly into other parts of your life. Excellent. Todd, what are your take home points for our listeners today? Well, I agree with very much with what uh, each of the others said. I think it really should be enjoyable. I think if we could treat mindfulness as a luxury, and um, that means not doing too much of it, because if you do too much of it and it becomes difficult or, or it becomes frustrating, then you're not going to look forward to it. It's just like eating. I mean, if we eat too much, the most enjoyable thing about life is eating. <laughs> but if you eat too much in a sitting, then you get pain. So I think if we could just start with one breath, if everybody listening could commit to one mindful breath, as if that all we needed to survive was one breath. I mean, imagine how different life would be if there was only one breath. As it is, we need 20,000 breaths a day. But if you only needed one, it would probably be a big deal, and people look forward to it, and we build our life around it, <laughs> like we do with eating, drinking, and sleeping. So if people can make it, make it enjoyable, look forward to it, treat it as a, 
as a reprieve from the busy world and start very, very simply and work your way from there. Thank you, Todd. Katie, uh, any tips of some pearls of wisdom for our listeners today and our viewers? I think just taking everything that my fellow panelists have said and remember to not be so judgmental. I think having that non-judgmental stance is just essential in practicing mindfulness because I like to remind people, don't judge the judging. We're going to judge, we're kind of programmed to judge, but when we can kind of practice these new skills and let them become that habit, that ritual, without judging that, we're, are we doing it right, are we doing it wrong, it's a lot easier to make it that enjoyable piece and make it more effective. So try not to judge the judging. Excellent. <laughs> and uh, what I'll probably say is this. Uh, number one, uh, again, be intentional. Uh, be purposeful in your, in your daily living. Number two, smile more. You know, sometimes we forget to smile, but that can help set your tone and pick you up, of course. And number three, still have a follow-up plan. Just like how anything in health, whether it's a medical condition, uh, diabetes or hypertension, or other kind of issues, you want to have a follow-up. So as we're sitting here today, wrapping things up, I think that the best thing that we could do is, is write things down. Uh, and it's okay. Actually, my wife gave me an example the other day where she wrote things down on a piece of paper and referred to that as she got through her day. And she sent me a text message, a text photo that said, hey, you need to start doing this. And so <laughs> I've already been able to implement that on a daily basis. So what I want to do is I want to thank my guests today. Uh, we've got uh, Dr. Frank Vaught, um, uh, chiropractor, excellent gentleman, founding partner of Evoke Chiropractic. Check him out, www.evokechiropractic.com. Excellent. We have Shauna O'Malley, uh, doctor of physical therapy, uh, physical therapist, clinical director at ATI Physical Therapy, www.atipt.com. We've got Todd Fink, just a legendary individual, as you guys have, have, have seen and learned, and, um, and we're very thankful for Todd and, and, and his, his wisdom today. And you can find Todd, of course, he, uh, through uh, www.michaeltoddfink.com, as well as www.thegivingtreeband.com. And of course, uh, my office buddy, uh, <laughs> uh, Katie O'Donnell, a uh, licensed clinical social worker, also just an expert on addiction. Uh, Katie, this has been awesome. Uh, you know, when we talked about it, I was like, Katie, i got to get you on my show. And I literally knocked on her office door, and, and that's how it was. So uh, Katie, you can check her out, www.eehealth.org. Again, my name is Dr. Mark Gomez. Next week... Uh, we're going to be talking about a call for action. Check me out on Facebook to, uh, um, at Dr. G, as well as Instagram and, Facebook and Twitter, same handle. Also check me out online, www.drmarkgomez.com. Take care, everybody. Peace out.